When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're tuned in to Grip It and Rip It, sponsored by LB's Meat Market. We're going to get started here in a second, but first, let's hear from LB's. Grip It and Rip It with Brian Scott Rippey is brought to you by LB's Meat Market. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi, the place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi, is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. Another edition of Griffin and Rippin. As always on Wednesdays, Griffin and Rippin has a team-related guest. Old Miss travels to Arkansas this week. This week we have Tyler Cass with Five News out of Fayetteville. You can find him on Twitter at Five News. Tyler, what's up, man? I appreciate you joining us. Glad to be here. Yeah, uh, I'm about five minutes from the stadium now. I'll be going down there on Saturday for my second in-person college football game of 2020. And it still feels kind of surreal. Yeah, so that's something I haven't done yet. So I haven't covered a game in person for Ole Miss this season. What has that been like from a media standpoint? Like, what do you get out of being there, I guess? Uh, I guess for, for TV, it's different because you're shooting highlights, right? But just like like aesthetics-wise, like, do you gain anything else other than the obvious from being there this year? Like, I guess what's different? Well, from a TV perspective, they're actually not allowing us down on the film this year. So for me, that's very different. Yeah, normally this is my fifth season covering the Razorbacks. Every other game that I've been here, I've been on the field shooting. Now I sit in the press box and I watch and I, I tweet. And that's that's been the biggest difference for me is I'm actually able to be on social media during games. Uh, I'm not sure that's been the best thing for my followers. It's probably pretty annoying. But, <laughs> but yeah, from an aesthetic perspective, I mean, it's you, you get to see – a, a bit more, you know, sidelines, pregame warmups and whatnot. But, I mean, honestly, from the booth, I mean, we're watching the TV broadcast for replays anyways. So it's more just about having a presence. 
So for TV, are they distributing highlights to you guys? How is that working since you're not allowed to shoot? Oh, man, it's been – and the way they've timed out the games so far this year, I know no one likes 11 a.m. games, but the dirty secret is TV people love 11 a.m. games because it lets us finish things up way before our shows. So right now I have three kind of modes of getting highlights. Uh, if the game is on you know, SEC Network or ESPN, I'm recording that and kind of editing as I go based off that, but no one really wants to use those highlights the team is posting uh, low-level highlights a couple hours after the game for us. And then for home games, the local TV people are kind of rotating. We each get – we have one spot in the stands. That's the kind of pool shooter thing. So each each week, a different local TV camera person gets to shoot there, and then we share that with everyone. Um, but it all comes down – like the games are ending right at uh, showtime so far. So it's, it's pretty hectic. Yeah, so it sounds like you're just work, like like every a lot of things in the world right now. You're working with what you got, but what you got is kind of the bare minimum. That's I. Uh, that's tough. But yeah, writers like 11 a.m. games too, just so they can get on with their lives and be miserable elsewhere. So uh, we're all on the same page with the 11 a.m. kickoffs. But speaking of, this is a what 2:30 kick, and this is quickly turned in. You know, the last couple of years, this game has been kind of uh, a hot, drunken mess. I would say, for the lack of a better phrase. And you probably assumed that was going to be the case this year, right? One of these teams' few opportunities for a win. And it's quickly turned into anything but that. It really an actually fascinating springboard game for both of these programs. Because you look down the barrel of the rest of the SEC West, Ole Miss got Alabama out of the way last week, of course. I know Arkansas still has them. But you're looking down the rest of the SEC West, and nothing really scares you. And I've just found that fascinating how quickly this game's turned from, you know, kind of the the bottom feeder trying to clip each other to finish out of the cellar or whatever, all the way to this is a real opportunity. Would you agree with that assessment? How's Arkansas kind of framing this one? Yeah, I mean, I'd start with just because the teams, you know, are no longer both kind of dumpster fires doesn't mean a game between them still can't be a hot, drunken mess. (laughs) That's a fair point. Uh, well, I, especially, I mean, Arkansas just has this weird tendency. I mean, I was here during the Bielema years when it was, you know, slightly above average to mediocre. And then obviously the less said about the last two years, the better. But Arkansas games still have this tendency to, to get weird. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I mean, the, the Arkansas fan base right now is still screaming to anyone who will listen that this team is 2-1 and one and that the SEC is out to get them. But once they kind of calm down from that, yeah, I mean, there's there's this sense that no one's really felt in a couple of years here of, oh, we're watching these games beyond just an obligation that we have growing up, you know, in Razorback land to watch every Arkansas football game. We're watching these games now because they can mean something down the line. And, and, and yeah, I mean, it's it's shifted so suddenly, like you said. And, at least out here, I mean, it's, it's a huge testament to, to Sam Pittman, I think. I'm, I'm finally on board with that. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. You get into the Pittman aspect of it. I think you know these two schools, the Lane Kiffin, the the rumor mill or whatever you want to call it, kind of the coaching search churn was kind of started with Kiffin headed to Arkansas and then quickly kind of landed with with him ending at Ole Miss. And like I don't think it's that cut and dry in terms of him deciding between Arkansas and Ole Miss. It sounds like it was more preliminary conversations or whatever, but then Arkansas kind of keeps going down the ladder and then lands on Sam Pittman. It was a hire that really they were seemingly trying to sell to everyone, but he's been 
I mean, three games in, the return on investment, as small of a sample size is, has been pretty good. Just how has the reaction to the hire changed even in the season's first three weeks? I'll say the, the reaction has definitely changed from a media standpoint, from the fan standpoint. And this is, I mean, it speaks more to what Arkansas fans are as a base, which is in fiercely, fiercely loyal, obviously, and a little defensive. So when the Sam Pippen hire came out and Arkansas's AD Hunter Juracek definitely tried to frame it not as, oh, this was the guy we could get to say yes, which is how everyone kind of saw it, but he was framing it as this is the only guy we made an actual offer to. Anything else was just kind of murmurs. This is who we wanted. This was our guy. And the fan base kind of latched onto that. I mean, he was as beloved as an offensive line coach can be when he was at Arkansas the first time around. Uh, I think people actually kind of realized that. And it helped that you had, you know, his guys like Frank Ragnow go on to the NFL and just spend the whole time being a Sam Pittman cheerleader. Um, and that's what those what guys who play under Sam Pittman tend to be, which speaks a lot about him. But now I think the media perspective has kind of come along with where the fans were always at, which was this is what Arkansas needed. He's someone, and it's something that Chad Morris was clearly not, that the players like to be around and, and want to play for. Um, and yeah, I mean, as 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 cliche and as as kind of obvious as that sounds, that's been the biggest difference so far. They actually seem like they want to play football for once, and it's it's showing on the field because you look at Arkansas from a number standpoint and where they kind of rank on both sides of the football in terms of the rest of the SEC offense, right square in the middle. What Frank's is at like two thirty ish a game, pretty good, really efficient with the way he's completing passes, particularly the last two games, defensively. Not great, not bad enough to keep them in games, and they're forcing turnovers, particularly in the secondary. But overall, like, you know, Ole Miss is the polar opposite in terms of the offense has been awesome and, and scoring on pretty much any defense and has proved they can do so while the defense has been the worst defense in the SEC by a mile. Arkansas, like, what is it that's keeping them in games? Like, they're not doing one thing particularly well. And do, do you think that kind of speaks to the, I guess, whole competence of Sam Pittman thing is, I guess the better way to phrase that is it seems clear to the outside eye that they are a more competently coached football team. And it probably is more of an indictment on Chad Morris than anything else. Yeah. I mean, I, I tweeted that after the last game. I mean, every week under Sam Pittman is just a further indictment of the Chad Morris era, because I mean, these are by and large, all Chad Morris's players. It's, you know, the most, strange and abbreviated of off seasons you could have as a first year coach and he has them out here and i mean they, they should be two and one with two wins against teams who were ranked in the sec at the time um i mean what he's been doing too the uh, kind of overlooked factor is arkansas has been hurt a lot the last two games uh they're they're down to a guy who their their starting cornerback uh, against uh, auburn wasn't even on the depth chart for that game weirdly enough and now he's finally listed as an or that's hudson clark uh, because Jerry Judy and Monteric Brown have been out with injuries. Both starting linebackers are banged up and just practicing in shells, no hitting all week just to try to preserve them. Rakeem Boyd was supposed to be this, you know, all SEC type running back. And he struggled against Georgia, got hurt uh, in the second quarter of the Mississippi State game, didn't play at all against against Auburn. And Traylon Smith filled in admirably as a backup. Uh, their best wide receiver, Traylon Burks, didn't play last week and might not play this week. And Davion Warren has stepped up. So it's the depth of this team has really surprised. And just the 
what they've been able to do. As to what they do well, even though the numbers aren't there necessarily, and it's because of how things have gone later in games, the defense really has shined. I mean, what Barry Odom has done to that unit is is really impressive. You mentioned the, the takeaways, and obviously, I mean, that's a big part of keeping them in games, but that's been kind of the M.O. All, all three games, really, it has been the defense – keeps them in games early because the offense, for whatever reason, doesn't know how to score until late in the second quarter. And then we saw it, I mean, against Georgia. Georgia's obviously Georgia, and they had some figuring out to do in the first half. But Arkansas, no matter what, led 7-5 to five at that point in that game. And then the offense couldn't get it going, and the defense wore down. And you saw that against Auburn a bit, too. But the difference is, in the last two games, the offense has picked things up in the second quarter, in the second half, and given the defense some breathing room. But the Arkansas defense has, above and beyond, been kind of the highlight of the first few games and the offense kind of doing just enough to keep them in and then keep them in, you know, winning distance the last couple times out. Sure. And what's fascinating about the Morris thing is I think you kind of like, you know, we all tend like I hate the word narrative because it kind of assumes that like what is being said or whatever the narrative is, isn't necessarily true, which is not the case at all. But then this, like with Morris, I think it was the opposite in the sense that like, it seemed like we all fell into this narrative that, you know, he's having to replace personnel, a drastic change in personnel from the Burt era and that it takes a while for him to get his pieces in. And I kind of bought into that for, hell, I don't know, the first year, I guess I should say, year, year and a half. But then when you lose to San Jose State and then just get blitzed by Western Michigan to end the year, it's like, okay, maybe this guy's just incompetent. And I guess it just one last encapsulating thought on that. What was it with him? Because clearly, to your point, after these first three games, like, yeah, Arkansas is probably not the most, ta- like, not in the upper half of the most talented teams in the SEC West, but they're certainly not the least talented. And so what was it with, what was it with Morris? Like, I, this doesn't add up to me. What wasn't it with Morris? That's the thing. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think everyone, even out here in Arkansas, kind of bought into the, well, Morris wants to run the exact opposite kind of thing of what Bielema was running, especially on the offensive end. And it's going to take some time. But yeah, then you, you you bring up San Jose State, you bring Western Kentucky was really the damning one because they came in with a quarterback who Morris waffled on starting the year before. It was Ty Story, Arkansas high school legend out of Charleston. And he could he was splitting time with Cole Kelly at Arkansas and then Morris's first year, transferred to Western Kentucky, came back, and then destroyed Arkansas in front of all his home fans, essentially, at Razorback Stadium. And that was the final nail in the coffin. Um, the answer as to what was wrong with Morris, I mean, there was definitely, it, it turned into almost a divide in the locker room is what we started hearing of you had Morris's guys and the guys who were there before, and Chad didn't exactly seem to have the most respect for those guys. And at the same time, Morris's guys were having trouble buying in because the winning just wasn't there, and he essentially lost the whole locker room that way. When you have guys clearly almost not even respecting the coach, which is what seemed to happen there towards the end, not wanting to go out there and sacrifice their bodies for him. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get essentially they thought they could roll up. And the fact that they were an SEC team with Arkansas on the front of their jersey meant that they didn't have to worry about the San Jose States, the the Western Kentuckys, the the North Texases, everything that that we saw happen the last couple of years. And 
yeah, under Chad Morris, be just being an SEC team wasn't enough. And the fan base also never fully, fully felt in on Morris. He was not anyone's first choice. And then he kind of came in with these slogans, this left lane, hammer down. Uh, that's now been mocked mercilessly for the last two years. He came in making these these bold promises of this is the fastest offense you'll ever see, and then it wasn't. Uh, we're going to do all these things that we didn't. And then it was, there was all these little things. I mean, he would go every Friday night. He'd fly back to Texas to watch his kid play high school football, Chandler. And sure, that's, you know, he's being a dad. That's great. Once you started losing a lot, the state of Arkansas pounced on that immediately as he's not committed. He's never fully here. And fair or unfair, that was kind of the feeling amongst everyone around here was the players never felt all the way bought in and Morris. Yeah, and it's fascinating. That's uh, His career trajectory to me is fascinating because it's just kind of like he was the offensive coordinator at Clemson before Clemson was Clemson, and that carried him a long way. He was fine at SMU, but kind of reeling it back into this one, Felipe Franks, an interesting interesting prospect in the sense he goes to Florida, five-star kid, never really becomes like what they thought he would become, wasn't bad by any sense, but always left enough room for criticism, transfers in here. Was it a given from day one he was winning that job? Uh, and they didn't really try to hide that. Uh, you know, they, uh, you know, the coaches, Kendall Bryles, when we got him for availabilities and stuff, he'd give the, the lip service to, oh, every position's a battle. But he even admitted, I think it was less than a month in, the, the first time we got to Franks was, it's Felipe's job to lose. Uh, some of that was just what was already there in the quarterback room. Uh, our KJ Jefferson's kind of a, a local fan favorite, but it's it's been pretty clear. I mean, he does what he does well, and then you still need to kind of build up everything else. Franks was just a huge upgrade over everyone who was already in that room. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was going to be Felipe's job unless something drastic happened. Are they – when you had the whole 52% at Georgia, whatever, Georgia's defense is sick. But he's only – like, he's not throwing it deep down the field, right? I mean, it's, it's like seven and a half yards per completion. Are they playing to his strengths? Are they hesitant to let him loose? What is working well and what is maybe a couple limitations with him in your eyes? Well, I think some of it has been his decision making. Um, I'm not sure that the coaching staff is fully confident in that yet. And, and you've seen that um, he, he's taken a couple sacks that he probably shouldn't have. And that, I mean, it helps with the completion percentage numbers. They're not throwing the ball away, but at the same time, you, you want to see him either take a shot or, or, or get rid of it. Um, as far as not taking some of it is is the wide receivers. Um, I mentioned Traylon Burks. I mean, that's his best deep threat wasn't in the game last week. Uh, he's got a bunch of guys in, in your Davion Warren, Mike Woods, who the best way to utilize the receivers is five, ten yards down the field, get them in space and 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 give them something to kind of work with. So some of that's just personnel. Um, some of that is, I think Kendall Bryles, I mean, he wants to move fast and taking deep shots is not necessarily conducive to that. Um, and some of that is, I think is just kind of game script as well with, with how these things have played out. He has the arm. Uh, we've seen it in flashes and it's, I mean, that watching ranks after the last few years of Arkansas quarterbacks, where I think under Chad Morris, seven or eight different guys started a game for Arkansas quarterback in two years. Which is insane. Um, 
watching Franks after that, even going back to, you know, the Allen brothers and, and everyone who was here before, at least as far as I've been here, which I'll say, you know, it's five, five seasons now. He can do things physically that no one else at the Arkansas quarterback position has been able to do with his legs, with his arm. There are plays that it's not even, oh, they, they try that. They're, they're trying more and more things with Franks than they would have in the past. I also think it's still also part of the whole, you had a weird offseason with a brand new staff, brand new head coach, brand new offensive scheme, and a brand new quarterback. So, in, yeah, we've seen the last couple of games, they, they open it up a bit more. They're kind of bringing in more and more things. So I do think the deep shots and moving down the field a bit more will come. It seems like with Raheem Boyd, one, I guess the first part of the question is, is he going to play? And two, it just seems like he's not – like the him, he's 19 carries, 49 yards in the year. I mean, the first game goes against the Georgia defense. It's hard to gain consistent yardage on them. And then it seems like he got injured really before he got started against State. It's just a matter of he had a lack of opportunity with him. And do, uh, I guess second part, do you think he plays? Yeah, I'll, I'll answer that first part first. No one knows. Uh, Pittman told us last week he thought it was a pretty good deal that we're going to get most of our guys back when asked about Boyd. He hates – he won't talk. Sam Pittman will not talk about individual injuries. Um, and he said – the and, and Boyd didn't even travel last week. Uh, he said the same thing this week. You ask him about some individual guys, he groups them all together and says, well, I think we should have most of our guys back. Uh, so it's I mean, it's a lower leg injury for Boyd. He suffered it, yeah, in that first half of the Mississippi State game. So we're really not sure. Uh, Traylon Smith filled in really well. He's a guy that has been was talked up all offseason and kind of given the opportunity against Auburn, looked good. Um, so I think that, I mean, yeah, so to answer the first part of the question, I think it really has been about opportunity with Boyd. I mean, last year he was the only guy on that offense who could move the ball in any way. Opposing defenses knew that, and he still got his. This year, especially how the last couple of games without him have gone, Arkansas has proven the offense can do other things, which you'd hope if he can get back would, would kind of open up the field. But, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's a matter of opportunity. The, the skill is there. The talent's there. The O-line has improved somewhat. And then there's the rest of the offense has improved enough that defenses can't just zero in on him. So, yeah, if Rakeem Boyd is healthy and can get back on the field, you should definitely start to see the, the numbers go way up from where they were in that Georgia game. Arkansas is not turning the football over very often, and Ole Miss does not force turnovers. Do you think they tried – like, I'm interested to – I'm wondering, like, what kind of pace this game is played at. Because on one side of the football, Ole Miss is going to try to go fast. I mean, I don't think that's any secret – you know, you had last week they were going so fast. You had Saban and, and Dylan Moses kind of, I guess, floated out there that they might have had the signs. I don't necessarily buy into that because it doesn't really make sense. The faster you go, the less time. Unless it would matter that you have the signs. But, like, how is Arkansas going to – I mean, I guess they could get off the bus and beat this old this defense. But, like, how do you see them uh, handling the pace of this game? Are they going to try to go quickly? Or do you think it's kind of death by a thousand paper cuts like Kentucky did as they – if it, this is even possible, slowly ran for 400 yards. Yeah, I think Arkansas is going to try to keep up with Ole Miss. I don't know how good of an idea that is, but that's we've seen the last the first few games. I mean, there were even questions, um, especially after that Georgia game, of are you guys trying to go too fast? Because what it turned into was a bunch of three and outs and the defense getting worn down. And the answer was, oh, well, that's what we're trying to do. We're not going to change it. Uh, when at Asked about kind of the Ole Miss offense earlier on, on Monday, uh, Pittman was asked, like, hey, do you, do you need to try to keep up with them? 
what kind of pressure is that? And he, he kind of answered, he goes, he's like, well, what's the word for the absolute, like most possible amount of pressure? Like, that's what it is. Like we have to try to score with them. Uh, and then someone asked Felipe Franks that yesterday and he had the opposite answer. Of, oh no, we're just going to do our own thing. We don't worry about what they do on offense. Which is the more, you know, starting quarterback judicial answer, if you, if you will. But I tend to kind of lean towards, towards, towards what Pittman said. I think they're going to feel the pressure. I think Arkansas thinks and I mean knows that their defense is better than Ole Miss and kind of rely, will rely on getting a takeaway or two for the offense to kind of try to keep up. But yeah, I think going in, I'm expecting a shootout. What is the greatest strength of Arkansas's defense? Because Ole Miss's running game at times has sputtered. They didn't run the ball with great consistency against Kentucky. They ran it pretty well against Florida, but they were so far behind most of the game they were having to throw it. Ran it pretty well last week. But the vertical passing game, I mean, Matt Corral, I mean, whether it's improv or throwing it down the middle of the field, has been their best form of offense by a long shot. And I don't think most Ole Miss people would have thought that going into the year. Like, what is Arkansas's greatest strength defensively? And if they do kind of hold Ole Miss in check to a degree, what does that look like? See, that's, that's been the weird thing, too, through three games. I mean, their greatest strength so far is Barry Odom and their ability to kind of shift and change depending on the opponent. Um, they got the, – the run defense was solid through two weeks – and then they got absolutely gashed by Auburn. I mean, it was about halfway through the third quarter. Auburn had already racked up, I think it was like 215 rushing yards. So really adaptability has been, um, I'd say, backed up then by what everyone thought was going to be a weakness at the start of the year and has turned into a strength, which is linebacker play. Robert Poole and Grant Morgan, uh, I mean, even, even here in Arkansas, people were saying, well, they kind of both work best as complementary pieces. Can they actually run a defense? And then Bumper Pool went out and was leading uh, the FBS in tackles per game for the first two weeks. The issue there is they're both pretty banged up. Grant Morgan essentially played the Auburn game with one arm. And, and Bumper Pool has some undisclosed lower body injury. And they're saying they're still practicing this week, but neither of them are going to be hitting and practicing. So that'll be a big deal. Yeah, but what, what the Arkansas defense looks like if they're playing well against Ole Miss is – you got Jonathan Marshall has been huge at nose guard coming up the middle. Um, and I mean, you know better than me, but I, I'm pretty sure Ole Miss has had some center issues this year. They've got a guy playing over there who's that's not his natural position. So that's where I think Arkansas has a real opportunity defensively to create some havoc is Jonathan Marshall. If he can just get up the middle and, and get pressure immediately and kind of not allow Matt Curl to do the the things like you said he does that that improv that getting down the field if he's got Jonathan Marshall in his face right away that's kind of the best case scenario for the Arkansas defense. Does Bumper Pool's birth certificate match the Arkansas roster? Yeah, he's Bumper Pool. That was even back when they recruited him. We were all picking is that is that his real name? And yep, it, it some someone did an article on that a, a year or two ago when he was first here. It's it's very real. And uh, he has a good sense of humor about it too, which is that's uh that's pretty that's pretty incredible. God, Arkansas's coordinators are interesting to me because old from an Ole Miss perspective, when you saw the hire of Sam Pittman, it's almost like oh I've seen this movie before. A questionably qualified offensive line coach hires two former head coaches as his quarter. I say two former head coaches, two high level one former head coach and a high level competent coordinator 
and you know, let's see how this ends. But they've both been really good. Barry Odom is a good defensive coach. I mean, no matter what happened at Missouri, there's undoubt undoubtedly that. But like, what has your impressions been of Bryles on the offensive side of the ball? Just one last macro thought on their offense. It seems like it's been about as efficient as as it possibly could, given what he's working with. Yeah, uh, I mean, Bryles. Uh, yeah, but he's a Barry Odom unquestionably has been kind of the star of the Arkansas coaches the first few weeks. I mean, everyone out here at least has been talking, oh, this might be our only season. He's going to be a head coach again pretty soon. Uh, as, as far as Bryles goes, it, it's been a bit more of a mixed bag. I think some of that is just what he has to work with. We were never really clear. I mean, he, he comes in with this reputation uh, uh, of tempo, and uh, you, I mean, you hear the Bryles name, and from a purely football perspective, yeah, that's that's what you think. You, you think of speed, you think of, of not of essentially almost air raid kind of style stuff. And Kendall obviously has his own his own tweaks to that, whatnot. But really, what it what it feels like we've seen the first few weeks is much more so than on the defensive side. They're still trying to to find themselves. They're not sure. And some of that like, is injuries. You've got your, your top two skill guys are, are, have been hurt the last two weeks, but yeah, the efficiency, I think part of that is just due to, and I'm not saying they can't be an efficient offense, but I think a big part of that is due to caution. Uh, they're, they're, they're playing with what they've got they're, They don't, they don't want to turn the ball over because they know that with how well the defense is playing. I mean, that's just a slap in the face to them. But at the same time, there's definitely been some times where it almost feels like they're too cautious. Their end of game with a lead offense has been atrocious the last two weeks. I mean, even the game they won against Mississippi State, they ended up in a like third and 34 with 40 seconds left trying to protect that and then had to punt. And then when you just needed one drive to ice that Auburn game, they quickly went three and out. But yeah, I mean, with Franks, with Devion Warren, and with Mike Woods, you've got that kind of intermediate passing game that when it gets into a rhythm works really well. The issue has been the start of games and the start of drives. Getting first downs has been a huge issue early in games for this offense. Pittman even said earlier this week he thinks the issue is how they're warming up pregame. He's like, everyone's just out there prancing about like, oh, look at me in my uniform and not actually warming up. So that sounds like the kind of thing once it has the coach's attention should change pretty quickly. But yeah, this, this offense definitely requires rhythm and, and, and getting going has been an issue the last couple of weeks. Awesome, man. I appreciate the time. This is going to be a fascinating game because like I mentioned earlier, you look, you look down the schedule for both of these teams. And if you win this one, you got a chance to reel off a few and actually in this weird COVID season where like expectations is really just impossible to calculate. You got a chance to reel off a couple. This is going to be a fascinating one to watch. I appreciate the time, dude, and uh, be safe this weekend. Uh, hopefully it's a good one. Of course, yeah. Thanks. Anytime. Take it easy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.